Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman, a collaborative podcast with Pass It On Network. This program is brought to you by all of Community Services. Seniors deserve to have a fulfilling life with dignity and respect, but as we transition into our elderhood years, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here is Phyllis Amon. Welcome to Senior Straight Talk, presenting informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Amon, your host. The show, which began in September 2019, was formerly known as Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, and the library of all of the episodes can be found on the Voice America Empowerment Channel under the name Senior Straight Talk. They can also be downloaded on popular podcast platforms. The show is now also syndicated on the Voice America Influencers Channel, so please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. I have two courses, which you can find on my website at www.phyllisamonassociates.com. For those listeners who are what in I say SOS mode, stressed, overwhelmed, and stretched, Resilience Toolbox Secrets, which features empathy, a word I've trademarked about self-care, self-kindness, and self-compassion strategies that will help you capture the three R's, recharge, reset, and recommit. Family members considering taking on the role of caregiver or those just beginning the caregiver journey can find valuable information in my course, A Caregiving Guide for Caregivers, The Basics. And I'm proud of my collaboration with Dan Cohen, founder of Music and Memory and Write to Music, on a five-day challenge titled Coming Alive with Music and Communicating Effectively with Persons Having Dementia. Look out for announcements and information about the program. My latest book, Dignity and Respect, Are Our Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve, is available on Amazon in both paperback and ebook formats. The book addresses critical information about how we care for and treat our elder citizens in our families, our communities, in nursing homes, and assisted living residences. I hope you'll purchase a copy and encourage your friends and colleagues to do the same. And I anticipate an audio version of the book in the near future. Seniors Straight Talk is proud of the collaborative partnership with the Pass It On Network, a global peer learning network for positive aging advocates and a member of the United Nations Open-Ended Working Group on Aging. Seniors Straight Talk and the Pass It On Network We'll continue bringing our listeners informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm also glad that Olive Community Services, a nonprofit organization in Fullerton, California, is the sponsor of Senior Straight Talk. Olive Community Services is dedicated to providing culturally appropriate services to the diverse senior population. And I'm very grateful to my friend, and Olive President Rubina Chaudhry and the entire team at Olive Community Services for their continued support. Before we begin, I have to thank Peter DeGear of DeGear Therapy Services, who is a colleague and consultant specializing in rehabilitation therapy services in nursing homes. And now I'm so happy to introduce my guest for today, who I had the opportunity to speak with on his podcast called Talk Zone. So I'll tell you a little bit about our guest, Joseph Marabito, who is President and Chief Executive Officer of Paragon Global Resources Incorporated. 
Mr. Morabito has more than 40 years of real estate and relocation industry experience. As a pioneer and innovator in the field, Mr. Morabito has worked with clients throughout the United States, Europe, and Asia, touching virtually every industry with delivery of management consulting and relocation services. Today, Paragon Global Resources is composed of various subsidiaries, including Paragon Relocation Resources, Paragon Home Resources, Paragon Real Estate Resources, Paragon Financial Resources, and Paragon Relocation Holdings Overseas. Joe Morabito has also had personal experience with older parents who needed and received different levels of care. And his experience likely mirrors the experiences of so many others. And I'm so glad he's here to talk about Paragon and Relocation Services, but also about his personal experiences to which many of my listeners can most likely relate. So with that introduction, Mr. Morabito, can I call you Joe? Absolutely. So I'm so glad to have you here. And maybe you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about uh, Paragon, how it got started. It's a very interesting story. I've read it. And, um, you know, transitioning professionals and executives and, and how that led to transitioning for older adults. Well, it is an interesting story. And I thank my mom for it, by the way, because, um, you know, I've been in the corporate relocation business for 40 years and we've worked with companies, all names you would know, all over the United States and all over the world to move management virtually everywhere. And so, you know, we have years and years of experience in, in helping people sell homes and buy homes and move household goods and get their kids in schools and all the things that you think typically think of when people relocate you know, for management type, sometimes promotions or sometimes reorganization, whatever the reasoning may be. We've been doing that for years and years. And then came along my parents. And so my mother and father, you Wait, know, they came along or you came, you came well, along. No, no, no. <laughs> but we, your parents. <laughs> but yes, but we reversed roles. Oh, okay. So it's a question of who came first. And <laughs> I came, yeah, we reversed roles. So at some point, I, it's really kind of a funny story. I grew up in North Hollywood, California. We moved from Ohio and my parents lived in North Hollywood for years <laughs> and they were now in their seventies. And um, I said to and we lived in Orange County, which is in South of LA, two hours away, maybe more in traffic. And I said to my father, you're moving. He said, I'm not moving. I said, you're moving. I bought you a house. He said, what do you mean you bought me a house? I said, well, there's this great 55-year-older gated community near us, and these homes are wonderful. And I knew how to work my dad at that time. Well, his whole life, really. But anyhow, <laughs> uh, well, my whole life, right? I said, look, I put $1,000 down on this house, and if you don't buy this house, I'm going to lose the $1,000. Now, keep in mind, this was, I don't know, more than 25 years ago. So $1,000 was a few bucks 25 years right. ago. And I knew my dad. And so he said, okay, I'll look. <laughs> so I had to go pick them up two hours away, drive them down. And sure enough, they saw what I thought was just a perfect living environment for them. And we moved them. We got their home sold in 45 days. And my father was hilarious because he was the neighborhood junk man. Every time somebody had remodeled, he took whatever they were throwing away. And so his garage was completely full of stuff. 
And he said, well, we're going to have to move all of this, right? And if I had said no, that would have been a big fight. I said, I'm in the moving business. No problem. It's a dollar a pound. Again, this was 25 years ago, more than 25 years ago. Well, that did it. He had a garage sale for six weeks. He laid everything out on the driveway. He sold everything. Oh, good for him. Yeah, he made about $5,000 years ago for all this junk, you know, multiplied by three or four. It's quite a bit of money. So anyhow, I knew if I said, we're not moving this, we're not moving it. I knew that would go nowhere. But as soon as I put a monetary value to actually moving his stuff, that, that changed the whole discussion. So we got them moved. And for the most part, for very many years, they lived pretty independently. And then, of course, all the things you dealt with or deal with started to happen. My father became very ill. Uh, two years of just incredible difficulty in and out of hospitals. Um, I found out later after my father passed away, there was a red spiral bound notebook on my mother's island. I'd never seen it before. And I'm looking through it. And I said, Mom, what is this? And she said, well, I had to keep track of everything your father ate, every medication he took. because every." Oh, yeah. She was his caregiver, caretaker. She was the nurse practitioner. She was everything because she said every time we would go to a different doctor, a different hospital, they would want to know exactly what drugs he took that day, what he ate and everything. She said, I couldn't possibly remember it all. So she was like the caseworker in a hospital writing every single thing down for two years. She did. Oh, my. I can. I can. uh, I just want to interject one thing. And that is. uh, so wonderful because I can't tell you the number of people that I meet and I'll ask them what medications they're on and they don't even know or what's a young fellow I spoke to today who had some problem with his jaw and so his jaw is uh, wired shut and um, I asked him he's getting the uh, the metal removed on Monday so I asked him uh, did they tell you what the next stage is did they did you um, know if you're going to have full motion of your jaw. Is it going to be returning to what? He said, I don't know. I yeah. said, well, he, he said, I guess I should ask those questions. People don't even think to ask those questions. Let yeah. them record the answers. So I think it's brilliant that your mother did that. Well, my mother was very detail-oriented. She balanced her checkbook to the penny. And so this was just another aspect of her personality and kind of keeping track, you know, because really we were involved in all the things that happened with my father, many different hospitals, many different doctors over a two-year period, in and out, in and out, all sorts of things. And we experienced all the things you talk about, you know, the surgeries, the convalescent homes, the home care the, the um, oh my God, everything you could imagine. But we didn't do assisted living at that point because he died in their home ultimately two years after his illnesses really began. And then to be honest, God bless my mother. Uh, she was 75 years old, but in good health and everything. And I have to tell you, and I don't know whether this is good or bad, but this was my mother. Within a week, she cleaned out all of my father's things. They went to Goodwill. She said to me, okay, I want the house painted. I want new carpeting. I want new flooring in the kitchen. Uh, We need new drapes. I mean, my mom, she was like on it, okay? I said, are you sure you want to do all that all at once? Dad just died like two weeks ago. She said, yeah, remember, we couldn't do anything for a very long time when he was very sick. And now it's time. I want to get this done. I said, okay, fine. We'll take care of it. No problem. And so the good news is she was a golden girl. 
And she had, you know, friends and this 55 or older, and it was a godsend that we had moved them there many years earlier, because it allowed my mother to live pretty much independently for a very long time from 75 to 87 years old. So I finally, yeah, I'm sorry, I just want to interject, um, because I want you to, uh, I want to make sure that in this discussion, that we get to the point to discuss um, when you said your father had various hospitalizations and you've encountered a lot of the things that I talk about. So I want to make sure later on that we talk about people who need to plan because they don't know things are going to happen because I'm sure you didn't expect some of these things to happen. But Will, I just want to make a note, a mental note that we get to that. Well, I think between both parents, we learned very quickly what you need to know in dealing with insurance companies, uh, the various coverages, what the rules are for Medicare and all of those things. And until you actually experience this yourself, whether you're the recipient and hopefully in, in, in sound enough mind to deal with it and or there's a family caregiver or somebody who's acting as your advocate, somebody absolutely has to be the advocate for the aging aging parent. There's no other way. And when I hear of these poor people where there is no family, there is no one, I I don't know how they manipulate the situation. They're they're really at the, the mercy of the government, the state, the county, whoever it is that's that's basically dealing with this. And I know given all the complications that we experienced in my father's two years, which were even more amplified in the 17 years that my mother outlived my father. Mm. And so in my mother's situation, we really experienced all phases of the aging process from independent living to, um, multiple surgeries, three, she broke her leg three times, to convalescent care, to home care, to home health care, to finally the day came when she was 87 years old, still in her right mind. She never had dementia really till she died and she had fallen. But this time when the firemen came, she offered them dinner. She didn't hurt them. She didn't hurt. She said, we're Italian, you know, Italians <laughs> cook, right? She said, let me give you dinner. My mother was such a character. Anyway, so she didn't hurt herself this time. And we got the call. We, my wife and I were in Dallas, you know, because I think she had life alert or something. We were in Dallas and she had fallen, but this time she didn't break anything. So that Saturday, she invited us over for dinner. And I said, Mom, is it time? She knew exactly what I was talking about. She had stayed, by the way, in the assisted living community uh, a few times when we were gone because I couldn't leave her alone. And my brother was too far away for a couple weeks at a time. And she had friends there. She was a really nice place. She was very familiar with it. So I said, Mom, is it time? She said, yes, it's time. She said, I'm ready. I, I want to move into Park Terrace, which is the one that she has been in before. And uh, literally within three weeks, we moved her in. And then remember, I'm in the real estate business. So then we had her household goods to deal with. Some of them, my son was moving to Texas with his family, his wife. He got some of the stuff. Some of the things went into her really lovely apartment. In fact, her apartment was so nice. They used it like a model when they brought people Uh through. It was really cute. Anyway, um, she, she was there within three weeks. But the funny part was, the, and you can appreciate this in terms of siblings, the conversation with my brother, who's right. older than I, five years older than I am, right? And so he said to me, 
who, who had not been involved in all, at all because they lived too far away, he and his wife, until much later they moved down to Orange County. But anyway, he said to me, what are you doing moving mother into this community? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you're moving her there to die. I said, first of all, I'm not moving her anywhere. Mother made this decision. I asked her repeatedly before we signed these papers, do you want to think about this? And she said, no, not at all. I'm ready. Okay. Well, it was three months later when, after my mother had moved in, when my brother said to me, it was absolutely the right decision we made. We made. But, yeah, I, lo- I love that part. We right. made. You know. So I, I want to interject because a lot of families uh, have very adversarial conversations and the relationships become very adversarial over these kinds of decisions, whether it's moving a person into assisted living or a nursing home or uh, end of life care decisions, whatever those situations are, they can become very adversarial. Sometimes people come around, sometimes they don't. That's why when I, it's so important when I tell people that I do family care, um, not only family care plan, planning, but family care mediation, because sometimes you really need a mediator to negotiate these conversations. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because we play that role, but related very often to the home that needs to be sold. Aha. Uh-huh. Because now mom's moving into a senior community and the home that maybe she's lived in for 20 or 30 years needs to be sold because they need to free up the equity in many cases to pay for the senior community, right? So naturally, let's say there's two or three or four siblings, and there's always the sibling that when we say, well, the house is worth 350000 And there's always the sibling that says, no, it's really worth 500,000. I don't want to sell it for a penny less. And so our home resource coordinators that actually work with the families to sell the home, in a sense, act as a mediator, because what we then end up doing is producing empirical data and comps, you know, information that says, well, let me show you in that neighborhood what that square footage has been selling for. And if we list the house at 500,000, not only will it never be shown because it's so far above what is normal, but obviously it's not going to sell. So it's fine to be maybe 5% above, you know, what we see happening, but you can't really be much more than 5% above what is typical for that neighborhood. And so sometimes we're playing that role too. Mm-hmm. The funny, one of the very first senior moves we did was a funny one too. We, we moved a woman, I think she was 85 years old, and she was moving from New Jersey to, I think, Kansas, where her daughter lived, and she was going into a senior community. This, this was so funny. So her household goods went in five different locations because somebody had to have the grandfather clock. And somebody... Right. <laughs> But the funny part was, this is the part I didn't understand. They said, oh, and by the way, there's also some things going into storage. I said, storage? What are you talking about? She said, well, there's, there was a shipment of things that somebody was supposed to get, but they weren't ready to get them yet. So those things are going into storage until that daughter is moving or whatever the story was and is ready to accept whatever she was getting. That was the very first move we did. Oh, my goodness. In Paragon Home Resources in this particular space, you know. But we obviously moved her, the woman, and all of the possessions that she was moving, and everything else went in five or six different locations, all, literally all over the country. That's the other thing. Sometimes there's an assumption that there's family remaining where mom lives. 
Well, right. the, fam the family, they've moved all over the country. They right. may or may not be where mom lives. We had one that we did where the, the person responsible lived in New York, as a matter of fact. Mom lived in Florida. Mom was moving from her home in Florida to a senior community. There was a daughter in Florida, but the daughter had no control over what was happening for mom. Right. So the, the financial caregiver, so to speak, was in New York. And we were dealing with him in New York, the son. The daughter, I guess, had sort of physical caregiving in terms of mom's well-being. But she did not control what was going on with this estate, so to speak, and this family. So we do find you can get into all sorts of situations. But I'll tell you, what I discovered from all of this, and perhaps you've seen this too, when my mom moved into assisted living at 87 years old, she was in independent living for three years. So if she had had nursing home insurance, they wouldn't have covered one dime. Correct. Because she wasn't getting any of the extra care, you know. Correct. Now, now she didn't have it, but the point is it didn't matter because she was a private payer. Like right. private, private pay, okay. We right. Were, right. She was paying for her assisted living out of her own money, I might add. We never had to pay anything to support her. But in it, because she had a lot of equity from her California home. That was one of the four good decisions my father made in his life. He moved us to California from Ohio, and they bought a home for $20,000 in 1958 that by the time the new patio home sold was 600000 Oh, wow. So she had all this equity and right. she had more, more than enough. But what I discovered, and maybe you've seen this, and my brother had a hard time with this, although he finally saw it too. What, what I saw ended up happening was safety and security was more important than space. Right. She didn't need 1,600 square feet anymore. She didn't need 800. At, at, at the, we moved her three times. And the last time she was probably in 400 square feet in a wheelchair. So it's interesting you say that because um, Dr. Bill Thomas, who actually wrote the foreword for Dignity and Respect, Our Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve, and the author of Life Worth Living, who really transformed nursing homes and thoughts about how people should live in nursing homes and be cared for and treated in nursing homes. Um, uh, one of his uh, more recent projects is uh, Minka, it's, they're called Minka Homes, and they're small, they're small, very, very small functional spaces. And the reason he says is because people outlive the need for a large, for a large space. They don't, yeah. they really don't require that any longer. They right. can even, not everybody, but a large number of people can even physically negotiate that large space. Right. Right. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because we're here in Arizona this couple of weeks and we're at our snowbird rental. We have a house here that we actually rent. And it's normally it's this year it's rented almost the whole year. But once in a while, we'll have two weeks open or whatever. And we come over and it's in a beautiful gated community and it's got the swimming pool. It's not a 55 or older, although right. most of the people who live within the gates are 55 or older. But it's got wonderful amenities and everything. And this home is about 3000 square feet, which is bigger than most, you know, what most people retire to. Right. But it's more than it's more than enough. I can tell you that. In fact, my wife just said to me this morning, she said, you know, really, we don't need more than this if we don't want to have more than this. This right. is plenty. Right. And she's right. Our, we have two houses, both that are much bigger. But, you know, what I discovered is safety and security is more important than space. 
and I had to explain when I had that conversation with my my brother three months after he said we made the right decision. I said I said to him, "What you didn't understand is that what mother needed at that moment was safety and security. She didn't need even her patio home, which was very nice in a fifty-five or older gated community. It was more space than she needed." Right. And right. and so she knew, she realized at the end. But you know, it's funny. I know when I spoke to you on my show, CEO Business Mind, you know, I mentioned that 65% of seniors are having nursing home or assisted living covered by Medicaid because right. they qualify, that they obviously don't have enough income. And as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, the way that works is that basically they take your social security and at least years ago, they used to give you 50 bucks a month just for a little spending money, and then they covered everything else. Is that still the rule? Uh, yeah, pretty much. There are some places that are trying to give people more than that a month um, okay. to increase it because what's $50 a month? Uh, but Nothing. yes, right, exactly. Uh, so there are places that are trying to in- increase it's the called the personal need allowance. Mm-hmm. Um, can, you have, can you have any assets at all in the bank well, or anything? Uh, every state is different. The requirements yeah. for Medicaid are different in every state. I know, I'm pretty sure that in New York, a few years ago, uh, there's something called the look back period. So they look back to see when people, because people do, they transfer their assets, they try to do a number of things to qualify. Right. And uh, I'll just say this before we go to break, uh, that it used to be five years. And I believe in New York, they increased it to seven years. And they can, I've heard of circumstances where they get very, very tough about people's assets. I heard of one situation where they, they seized this family's truck uh, that they had. I mean, they, they really is, they're very, uh, very serious about this and the, the allowance, and I don't know what the allowance is, but it varies from state to state. So there's no overriding, uh, what can, what can I say? Overriding general statement that you can make on a right. national level. It's not well, like you know, Medicare or something right. like that. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, my mother died with $131,000. And so she would have had enough money probably to go two more years. She was 94 right. years old. And my brother said to me, because I was managing her money, basically, or really paying everything out right. of her money. Anyway, my brother said to me, well, what are we going to do if mother runs out of money? And she, he said, I guess we'll just have to pay it. And I said, you know what, given the taxes that you and I have paid all these years, and believe me, between the two of us, we've paid for my mother's care a thousand times over. Anyway, I said, look, as I understand it, when she, and w- when she legitimately goes through all of her money, she's going to be eligible for Medicaid if she lives that long. And at that point, you know, I guess we would have, we would apply like everybody else. We didn't do anything shady to transfer. Right. I, I get it. Nothing, get you know, it. she would have legitimately gone through every last dime if that 131. But the neat thing about it was at the end of the day, that $131,000 went into our, my children, my grandchildren and my brother's grandchildren's 529s. Oh, that's very cool. And on that note, we're going to go to break because that's a beautiful way to end it uh, for this segment. So we'll be back in a few. I'm talking with Joe Morabito about Paragon and his personal experiences with his family. And uh, it really all comes together in a very very cohesive way, I think. So uh, we'll be right back on Senior Straight Talk.
Phyllis Amon, owner of Phyllis Amon Associates, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones and coaches them to become more effective advocates. Her expertise comes from working in over 45 nursing homes. Phyllis, known for her passion, empathy, high-quality care standards, and quality life for older adults, is an experienced educator, speaker, and trainer. She's bridged the gap from healthcare to public and private sector businesses on topics from communication, caregiving, empathy, and novel approaches to team building and leadership. Olive Community Services is a 501c3 that provides culturally appropriate services to seniors, their family, and the community. Through their interactive programs, Olive engages participants physically and mentally with a focus on building strength, mobility, and mental health. To learn more, get involved, or make a donation, visit olivecs.org. Together, let's live, learn, and thrive. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email the host at phyllis at seniorstraighttalk.com. Now, back to Senior Straight Talk. Welcome back to Senior Straight Talk. I'm here with Joe Morbido from Paragon uh, Global Resources and um, also talking about his personal experiences with his families, with his family, with his parents. And um, during the break, we were having an interesting conversation about with about some people he knows and how he's using his experiences to help people that he knows. And um, it led to something very interesting in terms of what I do. So I want to re-engage that conversation. I know we left talking about Medicaid and looking into your finances and preparing uh, and that really is kind of part and parcel of what we were talking about, preparation. Well, you know, it's interesting. We, we, we have a number of friends in the last uh, two or three years in particular, some that have passed away suddenly, literally suddenly, others that have ended up with debilitating diseases that they're dealing with. And it frankly is sobering because knock on wood, my wife and I are still in pretty good shape so far anyway, but we have other friends that have really been dealing with some serious, serious issues. And one couple in particular where our friend has Parkinson's disease, which is degenerative. It doesn't get better. I don't think No. he, he had other complications uh, with uh, um, water on the brain encephalitis that had to be dealt with and a tumor that just had to be removed. Fortunately, it was benign but it was causing him not to be able to see because it was in the, on the pituitary. It was just one story after another. And, you know, and this was one of those classic situations where the husband took care of everything and the wife basically just didn't care or didn't get involved or whatever and lived a wonderful life, you know, like many couples do and whether very rich, somewhat rich, middle-class, but this is a common story. It doesn't matter, you know, what, what, what the, it's just the number of zeros at the end of what we're talking about here, but the story doesn't change. Okay. Absolutely. In, in, In my parents' case, my mother took care of everything. So when my father, my father never wrote a check. I don't think in his life. I don't know. Oh. My, my, he would hand her his money and whatever, and she would pay the bills. So when my father died, it was like, oh, okay, dad's gone. Nothing happened. My mother just <laughs> went on 
on with life. Okay. If he, if she had Listen, died, I wish I could find that guy. <laughs> if she had died, it would have been a nightmare because right. my father would have been clueless. He couldn't, there were so many issues. It's too many to even talk about, but anyway, so this other couple that were, that are good friends of ours where the wife now is having to deal with many, many issues that she never dealt, literally never dealt with before. And unfortunately, here's the other problem for older people. Everything now has become online. So right. whether it's your banking, whether it's uh, dealing with, with, your, with Social Security, pick something. And it's an <laughs> online application. Right. And if you never worked in business or someplace where you had at least some intuitive computer skills, it's a nightmare. It's a Absolutely. nightmare for these Absolutely. people. Absolutely. And I, I was saying during the break, that um, and it's interesting that you said it's just a matter of uh, the number of zeros and it doesn't Absolutely. matter if it's now or then. So my father died suddenly when I was 17 years old and my my uh, mother was a homemaker and he was the uh, the breadwinner in the family. And one day I was sitting next to him. We were having a conversation and the next minute he was gone. It was just as simple as that. And uh, my mother was clueless. She didn't know anything. She didn't know where anything was. She didn't know. And my mother wasn't not a smart person. She had been a bookkeeper earlier in her life before she got married. But he did everything. That's the way he wanted it. I, I imagine knowing his personality that that was kind of the, the way that conversation went. And um, it was a nightmare for her because she really didn't know where any, she really didn't know where anything was, whether yeah. it was in insurance papers or whatever. And he had a business. So now somebody had to run that business. She had to find out how to sell that business. And then it became a, a, a really very involved uh, process. It was very difficult for her and she had well, to go back to work. Well, did they at least have accountants and attorneys that they were working well, with on a lot is, of these things? <laughs> well, without divulging too much. My father was an accountant. Oh God. <laughs> and, and I could laugh now. There were some, um, some pretty astute financial people in the family, but uh, they weren't necessarily looking out for my mother's best interest. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Well, which, believe, often happen, which happens. Can happen. Well, well, you know, we're, we're watching this and what I've said to our friend, I mean, we've, we've offered, you know, some assistance having gone through a lot of things that, you know, she's now dealing with in terms of um, hospitals and convalescent care. And she has physical therapy coming in a whole lot of different things that she's going through. But I have said to her on some things, they have a, a son who's maybe, I don't know, 38 years old, married with a baby. But I said, look, you've got to get your son involved. You have to get your son involved. He has to help you. And you need to tell him, just tell him this. You have to have three or four hours a week of his time. That's all there is to it. He can pick the time of day whenever he wants, but he's got to come and help you with some of these things that you, you just, because a lot of it's just computer related in terms of things that you have to do, whether it's dealing with banks or insurance companies or you know, all sorts of things that all of a sudden she's dealing with now that she never had to deal with. Well, it's, so it's interesting. That's why I tell people to plan by choice, not by crisis. Don't yeah. wait for these things to happen have these conversations beforehand. And my course, a caregiving guide for caregivers really goes through step-by-step step the things that you should really look at the conversations, how to have these conversations. Sometimes these are difficult conversations to have, how to organize things, what to look for, what to look into, because 
There are so many things, whether they're bank accounts, how to pay the bills, some of them are paid automatically, uh, where to find the papers, where to keep the papers, how to keep a log of everything. It's very important. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because we moved my 78-year-old cousin from Ohio from a little town that she'd lived in her entire life within a couple miles of where she was born her entire life to Phoenix. In fact, in this gated community where we have our snowbird house and literally it was, it was a 10-month process to get her moved. And I wrote a 20-point checklist for her in terms of things. It's actually pretty good, I must say, things that had to be done. Okay, and she's very methodical and she doesn't have dementia or anything. And she just went through that list item by item and she got those things done. And, you know, we we, and and I was dealing with her financial advisor because we had to sell stock in order to. And it was really funny because I said to her and she's not stupid either, but it's just a matter of not being familiar. I said to her, you have too much money in the stock market and not enough money in real estate. And I said, we have to balance your portfolio. And she wasn't understanding any of this, right? I said, well, let me explain that in terms that are just very simple. Right now, you have seven apples and three oranges. (laughs) And when we're done, you're going to have five apples and five oranges, but you're still going to own 10 pieces of fruit. (laughs) (laughs) I love that analogy. And she said, oh, is that how it works? I said, yeah, all we're doing is we're taking a couple of hundred thousand dollars out of the stock market because the home in in Arizona was much more than, than, you know, what double really what she sold her home for in Ohio, little town, right? I said, but we're we're just, all we're doing is reallocating your assets. You're still going to own 10 pieces of fruit. And oh, by the way, the house here has gone up $100,000 in three years. The one in Ohio would never have gone up. So it proved to be a very smart move because the markets are booming. I know the stock market did too, but it still was a good thing to do because, you know, the market to me is very risky. You got to be very careful. Right. Absolutely. And, and have, and balance your assets and this and that. Well, anyways, it just turned out to be so fortuitous, but she would call me from the bank. This is a little town. And I'd be on the phone with her banker, you know, dealing with this, or I'd be dealing with her um, financial advisor who did a great job. And to be honest, I said to her, she and her husband never earned more than $40,000 a year. And I said to her, I don't understand where all this money has come from. You had to have either been a hooker or a drug dealer. (laughs) I don't know how you've gotten this much money. She said, well, I've been very careful my whole life. And the fact of the matter is the market you know, has been so strong and her advisor did a terrific job. Oh, that's phenomenal. Her money. But anyway, we got her moved. It was a 10 month process. I will tell you this. She could never have done it on her own. Right. Well, these things are very difficult. People do have to have somebody help them. Uh, But the earlier they start the process, rather than when they are in crisis, I mean, your uh, family, your father and your mother, in a way, uh, had the benefit of you being in this business, relocating, moving, understanding Absolutely. about selling and buying and all of that things. But many people don't have that. So right. really, it's it's really crucial, especially as you're advancing in years, to start to set up some kind of plan. And it's no different than having, um, although I have to admit, I don't have one. And my daughter has asked me many, many times, you don't have advanced directives? You You're kidding. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I don't. You don't have an estate plan that has all that nailed down? No, and I don't and I don't have advanced directives. And I oh. 
I know. And actually, the reality is anybody over the age of 18 should really have something in place about uh, all of it, all of it, especially if you have children. In fact, I've pushed my sons who now have young children that they have got to get estate plans in place. Most important, they have to name guardians. If God forbid, if something happens to either one of them, you know, they're they're together and who's going to take these kids? I mean, right. You know, now, fortunately, there are several candidates, but they have to nail that down. Absolutely. But I uh, I so I don't have um, I don't have that. I'm assuming oh. my daughter would be my I, I assume she'd be my health care proxy, although I don't know if I necessarily want her to be my health care. Well, well, let me just tell you what life will be. If you die intestate is what it's I, called. I know. Right. Two, two to three years in probate. Absolutely. So this is a little interesting. When COVID <laughs> started, so am I? Am I preach? I'm preaching. Um, I, I'm preaching to the. Well, I, I'm if, preaching to the if, if, if nothing else from this podcast, my assignment for you is go find a good estate attorney and get okay. this done. Okay. So my um, when COVID hit, my daughter text me. So my specialty is a speech and language pathologist for many, many years was working with people who were ventilator dependent and who had trachs, trach tubes to breathe and who have respiratory issues. It's really my passion. Actually, I always say if I was just doing that, I, I would probably still just be doing that. I just have a passion for it anyway. And she texts me one day and she said, listen, I have a question for you. So in the early stages, they were talking about people being on ventilators. They're not doing that so much anymore. But in the beginning, it was all about putting people on ventilators. So my daughter texted me and she said to me, so if anything happens, would you want to go on a ventilator? Because we've really never discussed it. And um, I said, no. She said, well, I actually thought you would say that because she knows from all my work what my experience is. And then she texted me back a few minutes later and said to me, are you sure? Even if they said it's only for a, a short period of time so that you get better. And I said, I, I, I have to think about that. But well, because, you yeah. know what? Every single time we took my dad to the hospital or my mother to the hospital or the convalescent homes or anything, we had to give them copies of the medical directives. No, absolutely. Every single time. So you don't have that. No, I, I don't. That's not, okay. <laughs> you're, 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 this is you're, terrible. I, I shouldn't really be announcing this in this podcast. Because you would be telling your clients you have to do this. Right. I do have to do it. I'm going to actually make sure I do it this week. Well, you know what? I, my advice to you, I, uh, the guy I use is both an estate attorney and a CPA. If you can find an estate attorney that's also a CPA, that's the best combination. Oh, because okay. they, they, they understand the, the tax law intricately. And believe me, again, depending on the size of your estate, but it doesn't even matter what the size of your estate is. And, you know, if they raise taxes and everything, all of a sudden, all the rules are going to change. If, if the president is successful in doing some of the stuff that he wants to do to raise taxes, all the rules change. Every year, we, we review with our estate attorney everything that's in place, because every time we add a grandchild or we do this or something changes, you got to go back in and you have Correct. to amend, amend the plan, you know, but 
look, the good news is coming out of this podcast, you're going to take care of this. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. But here I'm telling people to plan by choice, not by crisis. And I really haven't done that. So I and this would been... be a crisis for your family. It, it, it would. It would be a crisis. And if God forbid something happened to me, um, it really would be uh, because although I haven't, but you can't go by what a sense is, but I'm sure my daughter has a sense because I've worked in this industry so long, what my desires would be, but it has to be specific because we'd take her word for it to say, well, I think that this is what she would want or what she wouldn't want. we, We know somebody, as a matter of fact, who's 87 years old, her teacher daughter moved in with her who was in her fifties the teacher daughter died without a will. Oh, my. And now mom, who's 87 years old, could not even access her checking account. Right. Not, nothing, because there was no will. Her mother's name was not on anything. And so there was the teacher pension issue. There was a whole bunch of issues. And now her 87-year-old mother is, is having, you'd think it would be the other way around, right? That right. The 87, it didn't work out that right. way. So but, and the, you never know. Um, I've seen many circumstances, by the way, where there, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, where there's one spouse that's ill and yeah. another one that's taking care of that spouse. And the person who was the caregiver dies before the person who was ill. That's a real problem. Yes, I've seen that many, many times. I'm sure you've seen that as well. Do, do you just have one daughter? I have a daughter and I have a son. Do they um, live near you? My son is in California. My son, my daughter lives about 45, 50 minutes from me. And okay. uh, the funny thing is, I so when we talk about siblings and discussions and controversies and different opinions, uh, when bef- my son's in L.A. maybe about six or seven years, I think. Uh, but when he was in his 20s, and uh, she's four years his senior, and sometimes we'd be having dinner together, whatever, and I used to make like a little joke of it, and they would laugh, but it, there really was a lot of truth to it. And I, I kind of play it out for other people, and they laugh, but they get it. Um, and I've also done this in presentations that I have had, and people, you see people nodding their heads. So this is what I say. My daughter, who's very uh, capable uh, she's very detail oriented. She, she's extremely capable. And not that my son isn't. Well, he's another story. But but she <laughs> <laughs> but she's she's and, and, and now she's a mother of three. So that that brings that out even more. But she's always been that person. Right. She's a very take charge capable person. He, on the other hand, is he kind of has a little bit more of me in him than she does in some ways. Um He's kind of a little bit more uh, relaxed about things, let's say. And I say, this is what would happen if, let's say, I was in a nursing home. And let's say they said that I needed thickened liquids, which is when people have difficulty swallowing, it's called dysphagia. Sometimes they need liquids that are a little thicker. And so here my daughter would come along. First of all, they would probably try and move me from place to place to place to get rid of her because she is the going to be that person. She'll be like a general and, and it will be a good thing, but she will be the horror, the horror daughter that comes along. That's in, really in the best interest of the person, but not for the nursing home. Yeah. And so now my son, let's say, would come and let's say I wanted ice cream. Now, I don't know if the listeners know this, but if you're on thick and liquids, um, usually we don't allow people to have ice cream because ice cream melts into a thin liquid. Okay. 
And so here would be my son. Let's say I said I wanted ice cream. And he, she would say, well, she can't have it because she's on thick and liquids and it's not allowed. And this would be, I can, I can see it. This would be my son. Oh, who says so? Uh, they know everything. Uh, she wants it. Let her have it. And they, right? and they would go up and back. And my daughter would finally say, listen. If you give her the ice cream, you're not going to be allowed to visit anymore, or you're only going to have supervised visits. <laughs> and that's hilarious. Right. So when I would play this out with them, they would laugh, but they would actually say that that's true because they know their own personalities. Right. So, but it's it's an exaggeration, and it sounds funny, but this is what families go through, and it's not just about thick and liquids; it's about many of these decisions. Yeah, but you haven't even, if I understand what you've said to me, you haven't even specified who the executor of your estate no, is. But it couldn't be him. Well, he's in at California anyway. This is well, another I get thing. it. I, I get it. But she's not it either. Right. You're 100% right. And, and she has also said things like, oh, listen, I'm going to get stuck doing everything. I'm older. You can't do anything anyway. You can't even take care of yourself. You know, those are those kind of sibling conversations. Uh, But he's in L.A., so it made it a little more convenient for him. (laughs) Not that he did it for that reason. But as you know, there's always the primary caregiver. Yes. And I know my brother and sister-in-law, because they lived too far away until my brother finally retired and moved down to Orange County. Once once he and his wife moved to Orange County uh, after he retired, they both retired from UCLA. Then we, we started sharing a little bit more. I mean, because mm-hmm. my, my wife and primarily my wife was the saint in all of this and caring for me. Because remember, I was on the road. I was working. Right. I mean, I was there, but it was my wife who had most of the burden, you know, when for my parents, you know, because she was home and she was in a position to do it. I was on the road in those days a lot. And right. Gone. But in any case, um, yeah, so eventually we started to share. But you know darn well, if nothing else, just just unless you're going to move to Florida or something, is there any po- thought of doing that? No, not really. Uh, maybe okay. California, actually, because my friend, uh, who was my former co-host on my radio show, uh, Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, we've become quite good friends, and we've talked about me spending more time out there. Uh, but you don't want to die. Trust me, from a tax standpoint, you don't want to die in California. Uh, okay, uh, okay, I'll, I'll put the, I'll put that on the um, on the. Um, yeah, you don't uh, want to do that. Uh, I don't want to die in California. No, because if you have any assets at all that are, you know, anything, you're going to get hit with all sorts of California taxes on it, capital gains, estate, everything. California has everything. Okay, so you're, it's well, it would be as bad as New York. I'm sure you're in New York, aren't you? I'm in Connecticut. Well, Connecticut's a little better than it is a little better. Yeah, it is a little, but California is as bad, if not worse, than New York. So it would be like, oh yeah, taxes are astronomical. You don't want. Where does your son live in Los Angeles? I grew up in Los Angeles. Um, he I he moved recently, but in um up until last year, he was living in um, oh gee, Willikers. How uh, he was living right around the corner from the um. Oh my goodness gracious! The shopping in um, in downtown LA. He was in West Hollywood, right around okay. the corner, right around the corner from the Grove. Oh, okay. Well, that's really in the city. Yes, it was really in the city. He's moved a distance away. I I, I haven't been there since he's moved. Now, now you do, now you do realize that people who live in West Hollywood don't say that. They say adjacent Beverly Hills. Oh no, I did not know that. He never yeah. said that. And yeah, uh, if, if you live like within three miles of the line, they'll say, so well, where do you live? I live adjacent Beverly Hills. Uh, 
It's hilarious. But that's yeah. a dead giveaway, though, isn't it? Isn't it a dead uh, It's all baloney. Well, no, because see, it, it, it makes your, if you own a home or something, it makes it a little more expensive. Well, that's true. Well, my friend Rubina, she lives in Fullerton. Okay. Well, Fullerton's in Orange County. Yes, it is. Where and my I've been son... there several times. And I've okay. stayed Well, if you come to California, we live in, we have a house in Orange County. You have to let me know and we'll get together. Oh, absolutely. We're, yeah, we're absolutely. not too far from Fullerton. I mean, we're probably, oh, maybe 20 miles. Not oh, too far. I've been out there several times. They have a beautiful home. I'm sure. Yeah. And um, I've, uh, I actually met her at a, at a conference, an entrepreneurial conference in uh, Beverly Hills, I think it was. Was it in Beverly Hills? I think so. And she was a panelist and we got into a conversation. Somebody had suggested I speak with her because she started this nonprofit for senior services dedicated to culturally, uh, culturally appropriate services for uh, different, you know, different ethnic groups. And yeah. so we became, we bonded over that. And then over time, uh, she became a, a um, co-host of my radio show. And then as time went on, well, you know, things changed. And yeah. um, I pursued the podcast and doing it more on my own, but we've become very, very good friends. And um, I miss that I haven't been good. able to get out to California to see her and spend time with her because of the whole COVID thing. But I had my second vaccine on Monday. Although I was uh, not doing well Tuesday. And so I'm better today. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of people have had, yeah, we had a little reaction to our second shot too, but it wasn't horrible. Well, it was well, the, the first, the first one I had worse reaction to actually. I had like for yeah. four or five hours with the worst chills I ever had in my life. I didn't even, I didn't even associate it with the vaccine until like the next day. Uh, but this time, mm -hmm. that night, I just felt horrible. And the next day, I felt like I had the flu. And today is one day later, so I feel a little better. But we've really come to the end of this well, fantastic good. conversation. Um, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. We, we had a great time on uh, on your podcast as well. I it, we, thought it was a we, great conversation. We, we did. And I'm glad you were able we to We have come. a lot in common. Yeah. and I, I'm We have a lot in common. Talk not only about the company, but how the company... Um, became to be involved with seniors and some of the issues and then your own personal experiences. It really all comes together um, in a very nice way, I think, for listeners to understand what the process is all about. Well, every time I look at a beautiful picture of my mother when she was 80 years old and we had a big party for her, I thank her because without her and the experiences we had, I would never have figured this all out. I really wouldn't have, because unless you've experienced all of these things, there's no reason for you to know it. Right. right. But that's why we're talking about getting the information beforehand, because in all likelihood, something is going to happen. And then you're going to be in this crisis mode. And that is no time to make those decisions. And that's the reason tomorrow you're going to work on Correct. your estate plan. I was thinking that as I was saying that to be, I swear I was thinking that as I was saying it. So listen, if people want to find out about the, the, um, the services that Paragon provides, how would they get in touch with you or the company or who would they reach? Just go to paragonhomeresources.com 
which is our website. And you can see all of the services that we provide from really cradle to grave, from first-time home buyers to literally families dealing with mom's house because mom has died. And now we're dealing with the estate and everything in between. You know, so, I, yeah, they, they, sorry, not to interrupt you, but there is one other thing that we really didn't touch on, but when it t- comes to moving, that sometimes people have to move into their children's home also. And that, that's a whole other a whole other. We can do another show. Yes, there's a whole other conversation, absolutely. But anyway, yep. thanks so much, Joe, for sharing your, your time with me today on Senior Straight Talk for the enlightening conversation. I mean, and, and all that you bring to this is personally and professionally is just invaluable. Please join us on our next episode of Senior Straight Talk for more informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. Uh, this is Phyllis Amon signing off, and please remember to like, click, and share our episodes. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your host, Phyllis Amon, again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms. <laughs>